When chaos begins to emerge in our world, where can we go to remind ourselves of hopeful humans that are helping to create a more compassionate world? Each month in the Restorative Pulse podcast, tune in as we feature thought leaders creating innovation, innovative change in our world and in our systems, from the macro level to the micro level, in our schools, healing spaces, and beyond. I'm Julie Johnson, founder of Integrate Network, and this is the Restorative Pulse podcast. All right. Please. Hey everyone, it's Julie Johnson, um, founder of Integrate uh, Network, and this is our um, grassroots podcast, is now what I'm calling it. Um, <laughs> so, um, and I have, um, this is episode, I think we're on five now, and this is Sarit Rogers, and we're talking about like our favorite nerdy sect, and she's going to be really talking about it, I'm just facilitating talking points really, because she's like the badass of it. And um, so she's going to be talking about neuroception today and all things with nervous system, neuroception, safety, reorienting, all the things I love to talk about. So like, whatever, we're just gonna nerd out on neuroception today. Cool beans while I drink tea. But first she's gonna open up with a little bit of an orient introduction and an orientation. So I'm gonna hand it over to Sarit. Hey everybody, it's so awesome to be here. I'm really excited to talk about this. Thank you, Julie, for inviting me. Um, I know we both love to geek out on this sort of thing. <laughs> so before we get started and before we get into the more heady stuff that is neuroception, I want to invite us to go inward <clears throat> and to start to access any felt sense of safety or cues of safety that we might feel either internally within or externally in our environment. So starting off with the concept of interoception and orienting to our exteroceptors, what's inside and what's outside. So whether you're seated, whether you're lying down, even if you're in your car listening to this, I want to invite you to just start to notice the gravitational pull of gravity. Where do you sense gravity? Do you sense it in your feet as they touch the earth, the floor of your car boards, <laughs> floorboards of your car? you feel it in your seat, whether you're lying or sitting down? Can you sense gravity in your spine? Are you leaning against something? Can you sense the support of whatever you're leaning against? And as you begin to notice this, notice what happens with your breath. Is there a deepening? Is there more awareness, less awareness, or no change in awareness? And for a moment, 
See if you can take your gaze externally outside of you and notice where you are in time and place. What's around you that feels interesting, curious? What is a cue of safety or of relative safety? Is it a texture, a color, a quality of light? And as you take that in, I'd like to invite curiosity back into the body and notice if there's been a shift once you included your external environment. You can get a sense of anywhere in the body that feels pleasant or neutral. What's it like to rest your attention there? Is it pleasant, neutral? unpleasant or confusing. And gently let that move toward the background and come over and look at any part of the body that might feel a little less pleasant. Don't go to the worst thing, especially if you're one who deals with chronic pain. See if there's an area that just feels a little eh, a little meh, yeah? I'd like to invite you to make contact with it, with a hand or your attention. Notice what happens next. And then setting that aside, come back to the center, noticing the areas that feel pleasant or neutral. Noticing the gravitational pull of gravity. Did you sink in a little bit more? And if your eyes are closed, let the light come in very gently. One last time, orient with curiosity, letting your head and your neck move as though they have a mind of their own. You might notice a deeper breath as you do this. You might notice things look brighter, clearer, or you might notice no change and that's okay too. Awesome. All right, 
So I'm ready for whatever you have for me. <laughs> All right. That's I think great. I'm ready. Thank you. All right. Okay. So second, let me go back to my notes. Um, where are my notes? Why did my everything? Man, looking at my notes, there it is. Okay, on my iPhone. Okay, there we go. Okay. <laughs> so like tell us a little bit more about yourself and like your love for like everything polyvagal <laughs> in three sentences or I'm just joking. Oh I'm gee. Joking. Okay. I, I, um, I'm just joking. It's not that you don't give us the Twitter version. <laughs> don't give you the Twitter version. I I can do that. I tend to okay. be the most. Um <laughs> I'll try to keep it lean. Um so I have a, I'm a, I'm a professional photographer and writer and which led to becoming a trauma informed yoga teacher, which then led me to become a somatic experiencing practitioner. And, um, the somatic experiencing, um, trauma Institute was really transformational. That process, that training was particularly transformational. And I remember, you know, some of it feeling so just intuitive already in my system, stuff I had already been doing without realizing I was doing, you know, some of these, you know, uh, using some of these tools, if you will. Um, and then we got into polyvagal theory. And my first initial response was, I don't get it. I'm confused. And my typical response to being confused about something is to learn as much as I possibly can about it. And so I dove in and, you know, sort of just consumed as much information as I possibly could um, from Stephen Porges himself, um, watching videos of his son, Seth Porges, which are particularly fantastic because he had- they are good. Just what they're so great. <laughs> he's funny. Like he's just, mm -hmm. you know, and, um, I fell more and more in love with it actually, when I was working with adolescents and teaching them about their nervous systems and having to find ways to teach about the autonomic nervous system and polyvagal theory to teens. Right. So it had to be less, um, heady and more experiential and that, was awesome. So, um, and it's just sort of grown and, and really at this point in my somatic work, everything is coming through the lens of polyvagal theory and SE theory, which are connected. So, right. So on that note, <laughs> yeah. what is polyvagal theory? Twitter version. Cause I know we're not going to, we're going to get more than the Twitter version right now. <laughs> we're going to, we're going to go deep into the neuroception of it, but like right. what's polyvagal theory as a whole, knowing we're going to be going into neuroception and the sense of safety. <sighs> All right. So the Twitter version of it. So it basically, but, Dr. Oh, 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 hold up, hold up. By the way, for those listening, we are going to have some notes on this in our podcast and the note in the description. So if you want visuals, we're getting visuals, <laughs> just so you know. <laughs> That's oh, why. Awesome. That's true. I can make them prettier though for you. But anyway. But they look, no, they, they are enough. Uh, enough. <laughs> they are enough. All right. <laughs> just so great. You know. um, so polyvagal theory expands on what we already know about the autonomic nervous system, right? It expands on the uh, fight, flight, 
and it expands on the freeze part of the autonomic nervous system. So it describes three stages in the development of a mammal's autonomic nervous system. We are mammals in case any of us forgot. Okay. And it breaks down three major adaptive behavioral strategies. Okay. And so you've got the first one is immobilization. We know this as freeze. We see it as feigning death or in animals and in humans, we see it as a behavioral shutdown. Um, it's our most primitive response to overwhelm. And we share this with most vertebrates. And it is dependent on the oldest branch of the vagus nerve, which is the dorsal part of it. And, and that is the unmyelinated, slower part of the uh, ventral vagal system. And then you have the second piece, which is our mobilization, our fight flight behaviors. We know these really well, right? Um, and they're dependent upon the functioning of our sympathetic nervous system. And that system um, is responsible for a metabolic activity or cardiac output, right? Faster heart rate, you know, the ability of the heart to contract and expand and all of that. And then we have our third piece, which is our social communication or what Dr. Peter, Peter sorry, Stephen Porges calls it um, social engagement. And that is, we see that in our facial expressions. We see that in the tone of voice that we use in our vocal prosody. Right, so that we'll hear it in the cooing sounds when you hear moms talking to babies, that's that piece. And our ability to listen, our ability to discern high and low tones from human voices, from the mother's voice in particular, or human voices. And that is dependent upon the ventral part of the vagus system, which is myelinated. In other words, it's wrapped in a fatty shield and it is fast and efficient and it influences our heart and our lungs and our hearing. And there you have it. <laughs> so good. Okay. So that's, that's the breakdown of it. So um, let's go in a little bit more to like, how does this, so how does this polyvagal system that you just talked about safety, we're going to make this relevant to today, by the way, we're just getting a little nerdy about neuroscience right now. Okay. Yeah. Well, I think it's important so, that we know, right? Right. We got to know. We got to know where we're coming from. We got to know our whys. Okay. So I always tell my yoga students, okay, we, I, you happen to, I always tell them, you happen to have a teacher who loves to tell you why, <laughs> you know, that gives you the whys behind things <laughs> because I have to, <laughs> because. And I think that helps mitigate the threat response because the Thank first you. part of the threat response is what is it? What is that? Right. That startle. So if you're right. saying why, it allows the nervous system to settle. Right. So makes you feel a little bit less, less at least for me. It makes me, whenever someone tells me why of things about my, my body, at least like when my yoga teachers and therapists did that, it always made me, one, feel like I could trust them, like what they're saying. And two, yeah. it also helped me understand myself better. So yeah. I love, I love that. And it also made me feel more like a human <laughs> unless like something was wrong with me. So that's why I always do it. So thank you for that. Sorry. Thanks for giving me that what language. So, yeah. um, <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> the little self-reflection there. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, okay. So let's talk about the autonomic nervous system a little bit more and how it's playing a role right now in, I hate to be us centric, 
but right now it's really important that I'm a little bit U.S. centric right now. Okay. It is, it um, is important because we're experiencing it right now. Yeah. And so I want to talk about what's happening right now on a neuroscience level, what, what many of us may or may not be experiencing, but many of us are including me. Okay. Um, in, in that, and how does this play a role in our day-to-day perceptions and experiences for those of us that have are a little bit on high, high alert on either side of the spectrum? <laughs> well, I just, yeah, I mean, I want to, I want to validate one that it's, that it's, this is happening without our input, right? It's autonomic. It's happening behind the scenes, so to speak. And I would even, there's my dog. She's going to help us out because her autonomic nervous system is responding. <laughs> just so you know, the male is here and we're just going to roll with that. Um, <laughs> um, your, your dog always comes in our recordings. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Lulu, Lulu is a wonderful example of like, she's protecting the house right now, right? This is a great opportunity. It's like her nervous system, her sympathetic <laughs> response is happening she's in fight flight she's like there's a predator outside it's just the male person she doesn't get that she doesn't have cognition so it makes us different right so this autonomic system is happening automatically and i would i would actually say that everybody is having a response right now but everybody isn't aware of what their response is and i i also would say that I would that the world right now is is having a response. If you look, you know, I believe that we are in a collective state of trauma, a collective trauma response. And we're paying more attention to those that we see who are really um, they look like they're really on top of things, right? They're uh, creating programs and trainings and they're doing all this stuff. And it's like, wow, you're so efficient. Well, yes. And there's a lot of sympathetic arousal that's driving the need to make things happen. There's also a group of us who are collapsed, who are just like, I can't get out of bed right now. Um, I'm witnessing a lot of people relapsing. Um, I'm witnessing um, a lot of freeze states in people. It just feels we're immobilized by what's happening in the world. So there's some of us who are in this state of, I can do this, I can, and they're super mobilized. And that's what culturally is viewed as acceptable. Right? And, And it's, you know, look at how whatever we label that we put on them, right? And then there's the other piece of it where it's the I can't, which is that dorsal piece. So if I if I break down the autonomic nervous system, right? There's two primary branches of the autonomic nervous system, sympathetic, which is for excitation and parasympathetic, which is the relaxation. And in the aftermath of trauma, we want to have more access to our parasympathetic nervous system. And in trauma states, that access is thwarted most of the time. And and you might notice, even as I talk about this, like some of the things 
that your system might be experiencing, right? So the ventral part of it, the ventral part of the nerve of the, let me back up. Parasympathetic nervous system has two branches. And this is where polyvagal theory came in. It took that sort of binary system that we're very familiar with and it added some nuance to it and, in, and did so because of the freeze. Where does that actually come from? We talk about fight, flight, freeze, but we don't, we never really sort of knew where, where is it in the system. And it comes from this dorsal part of the parasympathetic nervous system. And parasympathetic is the, like the global umbrella. I wish you could see me. I'm talking with my hands. I can't help it. <laughs> and the dorsal part is the oldest part of the system. It's the first part of the system that develops. It's the, it, um, it's unmyelinated. So it doesn't have a fatty sheath and it regulates our viscera. So our organs in the gut, um, all of our digestion, right? That's the dorsal. And the ventral part of it is myelinated. It's very fast. It's very efficient. That myelination is like a fatty shield, a sheath rather, and it's super fast. And the ventral part of it sort of, if you were to look at a human being, or you can even do this with yourself to put your fingers across your face, sort of like a web. Like if you open your fingers really wide, right? That's where the ventral is actually coming across there. Our eyes, our ears, our throat, our, our vocal cords, our heart and our lungs. And this vagus nerve is the 10th cranial nerve. So it starts in the brain and it's really quite possibly the coolest nerve in that it Vagu comes from the Latin for wanderer, vagabond, wanders, right? It's the only nerve that does this. It goes from the brain, the, the brain that we know in our head, it goes into the heart brain and it goes through the gut. And 80% of the information is afferent. It's sensory based. It's coming in through the gut. And this has really shifted what we know about our regulation. We started to pay attention to, well, what's happening here, right? When, um, when we're ventrally engaged, our heart is open. We're actually smiling with our heart. How cool is that? Um, and the sympathetic part of this nervous system, right? So that was the parasympathetic, which is more complex. Sympathetic nervous system actually helps us regulate our breath cycles, our heart rate. It helps regulate our temperature. So think about it. If you get stressed out or you get angry and you get a rush of heat, that's your sympathetic system online. The other things that happen is, you know, you might, the saliva goes away. So suddenly you're like, why do I have dry mouth? Right. Or um, your pupils dilate, um, adrenaline, noradrenaline, cortisol start pumping through you're ready to fight or flee. And again, that dorsal system, that dorsal part of the parasympathetic is the digestion, kidneys, that sort of thing. And um, I would say that the, really the first step in engaging in polyvagal informed practices is starting to track 
are responses and patterns of activation in the world. So how the hell do we do that, right? <laughs> um, but the ideally what we wanna do is we wanna foster safety and we foster safety by learning to track our responses. How are we actually responding as we move out into the world? Um, right now, there's a lot of charge. There's just simply a lot of charge out in the world. And that charge can be a lot of people in fight responses or a lot of people that are sort of dull in their presentation and flat in their affect. And they're just like, yeah, I don't know. Right. And they just sort of seem disinterested. That's a freeze. It's a freeze state. So, okay. Can you give me just like a baseline, like definition of neuroception? A base, yeah, I can. <laughs> so it is the sub, the subconscious yeah. system that assesses for risk, danger, safety in the environment. So I'll say it again. Neuroception is a subconscious system that assesses for risk, danger and safety in the environment. So that's like all the time. <laughs> yes, ma'am. It is all the time. So think of it. Here's another, here's another way to look at it. Right. Um, the story follows the state we're in. So our nervous system is going to determine how we experience our environment. So when we're regulated, right, the audience doesn't change, our nervous system changes. So we can walk into an, a place, say, for example, you walk into a, no, a new yoga studio, you've never been there before, you're anxious. Everything is threatening. These people aren't very nice, right? Um, I don't know if I like it here. I don't know if I'm going to come back. And then you're like, well, I guess I'll go to the class, right? And you go to this yoga class and, the, and you know, you, you did, maybe you did a yin class and yin engages our parasympathetic nervous system. It engages our ventral vagal system, helps us settle. And we come out and we're like, oh, these people are so nice. Which by the way, I just want to thank you for saying that because I have been going up against several trainings where people have been telling me that yin can never be trauma sensitive. So thank you for saying that. That's a whole different story. I just want to say thank you for that as a yin teacher. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for that. You're welcome. So <laughs> what, what happened in that, in that scenario, right? When you came out of this yoga class, for example, this yin class, the staff outside was the same. The audience is the same but your nervous system just changed. Your nervous system just became more regulated and you went into a more socially engaged state. So another way, right? Like neuroception. So, you know, the interesting thing is what happens with trauma is the neuroception get becomes faulty, right? Um, if you grow up in an environment that is always dangerous, so if you are living under, in the, under the, this, uh, in a system of oppression, if you belong, if you live in a marginalized body and 
Every day is dangerous. Walking out in the street is dangerous. Your neuroception is working in well and tracking danger because it's everywhere. Now, what happens when that same nervous system wants to regulate? It might be really hard because safety is not something that the system is actually looking for. The system is looking actively for danger. I'll tell you my own nervous system took a long time to learn to orient to something good. Our brains are hardwired to orient to danger because that's how we survive. And so it becomes, it's not that it's faulty and that like it's broken, but it means that it's our system. It took, my system would not orient to safety. I lived in a dangerous environment. Yeah. And, um, and, and felt marginalized most of the time. And so my system, even if somebody was safe, I was like, I don't know if I trust you, right? So we see that a lot. And especially when you're working with teens and you know, I do a lot of work when we're not in a quarantine or when we're not in a pandemic in the prison system. And what happens to your nervous system and your neuroception when you're in that environment, right? You're constantly orienting to danger. You have to stay safe. So this is where I bring in the concept of pockets of peace. Do you want to go on a little bit more about that? Yeah. Um, so pockets of peace are how do you, in an, when, you know, it, it, it's, it's how do we find relative safety when the world is dangerous? And this is important right now. This is particularly important in light of COVID and in light of a very, very tense political situ situation. Um, how do we orient? What are our cues of safety, of relative safety? And so if I orient in the room that I'm in, like I'm in my house right now and my house feels safe to me, it's my space. And I'm in my room that is my very peaceful spiritual space. It's a space where I practice yoga. It's the space where I do SE sessions, my altars in here, my musical instruments in here, right? So there's all of these things in my environment that let me know that I'm okay right now. And to access a pocket of peace, once I know that intellectually in my cognition, I'm like, yeah, there's these things are here, but then how do I know that in my body? How do I track those cues of safety in my body? Does my breath get deepen, deeper rather? Am I orienting in a more expansive way or am I fixing my gaze on something? And if I am fixing my gaze on something, am I able to interrupt it for just a moment to scan my space with curiosity? Curiosity is, is you know, gold because we can't be curious in states of trauma. It's not safe. Absolutely. And yeah. Yeah. Like, it, right. And it's like, it's actually our reptilian brain. It's the most primal part of ourselves that is determining the nervous system state. 
we're in. And it's based on internal and external sensations. What are we feeling inside and externally? What are we experiencing? So, um, yeah, moving and that makes up for this concept of safety, the other side of the spectrum, the neuroception of safety, which I know you're what you kind of just said about. Can you talk a little bit more? I know you and I have gone on and on and on about this um, <laughs> in our time, but vocal prosody and what that and how we and what the state, how that impacts our sense, our ability to um, gravitate towards safety or not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So one of the key, one of the states of um, ventral vagal uh, the states of, um, uh, of being safe, of being socially engaged, right. Um, is in a ventral vagal state and the state is I'm at ease and I can do it. Right. And, um, vocal prosody is the tone of voice, the cooing that we do to a baby. Oh, hey, all right. Or when we like, think about it, when we see like a puppy and we go, oh, it's so cute, right? And that is soothing mm-hmm. to the nervous system. If I were to, and we can do an experiment here and I'll invite you for a moment to track your nervous system as I'm talking. So I'm gonna talk about the autonomic nervous system and um, ventral vagal states. And it's really important that we have some melodic tones in our voice. What happened in your nervous system as I was talking just now? What did you notice? Do you want me to answer the question or you just want me to keep it an inquiry? (laughs) I'd like you to answer the question. It's yeah. one of those weird, weird yoga moments where I have to ask people, you know, it's like, I feel like yeah. this is something between yoga teachers. I, I'm always like, was that an actual, it's just on a podcast. I'm like, is that an inquiry? Or yeah. was it, do you want me to answer the question? Yeah. Yes, please answer the question. What happened when I started speaking in that very flat tone, right? Um, I got numb in my feet, <laughs> which, <laughs> which is, which is this, and not everyone knows why, but I happen to have had a lot of SE. So I have some experience with this, yeah. but numbness in my feet is, is usually a sense of a survival response. FYI. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's the beginning. It's an, it's a dissociative experience. You're like, mm-hmm. I'm out, I'm out. Right. Later. And right. as I started talking again, and as my, my tone shifted, what do you notice now? Um, I noticed that, um, uh, my shoulders, um, um, specifically my, um, shoulder blades actually, um, loosened up a little bit. Yeah. So vocal prosody is extraordinarily important in terms of really creating an environment of social engagement. Now, you know, Stephen Porges, he has the, um, Oh, why am I the integrative uh, listening system? He does a lot. A lot of his work was begun um, through uh, working with autism and working in the neonatal ward in hospitals. 
and trying to figure out heart rate variability. His, his polyvagal theory did not initially come out as a trauma healing vehicle um, or tool. And um, what they were noticing, you know, this is how that, this is sort of how this came to be was through that work. And in the work with um, <clears throat> autism, you'll notice um, in particular, there's oftentimes no affect, right? It'll, you'll see a child with, or an adult even with um, a flatter affect and you can't read their emotions. And um, polyvagal theory can be, you know, working through the lens of polyvagal theory can be extraordinarily helpful. I've had a lot of success doing SE with um, kids on the spectrum because um, I'm tracking the system, not so much the facial responses and noticing how vocal prosody and sort of his integrative listening system actually uses pro prosodic tones um, to help regulate the nervous system. It's pretty interesting. I'm not trained in it. It's something I want to be trained in, but um, vocal prosody is really important. And I, and I, I mean, I'm also a yoga teacher, right? So it's like, I think about yoga classes um, and a teacher who's yelling over music and what's happening in those classes is you're, you're seeing a sympathetic response. You're, you're wanting to mobilize people and engage people, but you're not, and sometimes they're staying, they're, they're in a both ventral and sympathetic state in that point. Um, but if somebody is experiencing, you know, if somebody has a lot of trauma and they're carrying a lot of trauma walking into the room and that's happening, they might get stuck there. They might mm -hmm. become more agitated or frantic um, with that. And um, we do want to sort of encourage these spaces where we can see the big picture. We're not looking at everything through a tunnel, but we're looking at everything really through a wide angle lens versus a macro. Photo brain just kicked in, sorry. <laughs> There's lots of overlap there. Yeah, there is. So. Um, so let's talk a little bit about how this impacts um, like, how we move into the body a little bit since it's on the subject of yoga here. Okay. Yeah. So like, and I want to bridge this because I have, there's a lot of yoga people that listen, <laughs> yoga ask people. Yeah. And I want to bridge this because I like to, I bridged this this morning in another podcast with Rachel. And I think it was important here uh, as I was um, looking over the our outline here is I think for those that I feel like I tell, I know a lot of yoga teachers are like trying to bridge this with like their other information, you know, that we learn. And I, I looked at this as like the updated version of the koshas. <laughs> this is like the neuroscience version, right? I think like you have I the, agree with that. Yeah. I, I agree and, with that. You're cause you're going into the layers a hundred percent. Yeah. And that's what I wanted to kind of highlight to you. Cause I've highlighted it to other people. And I really like that, that, um, intersection because I think anything we can do with yoga and mm -hmm. updating it into the neuroscience is really important yep so I this is kind of how I sort of see it in my head and how I blend it together with people that are like really really into like yoga speak and they're like trying to update like mm -hmm. the tradition a little bit and I'm like this mm -hmm. is kind of like that so just wanted to say that well and and, and you know I mean yoga is a science right. right and and is in many ways inherently trauma-informed mm -hmm. 
right? Um, so, you know, I, I guess going into the body, I mean, this whole thing is in the body, really, this right. neuroception of safety and you and to, to continue with vocal prosody. Um, I just want to name, this is really important, that the goal isn't to be calm all the time. Mm -hmm. That's not real. One, it's not realistic, right? Um, but it's not to be calm all the time. It's actually to be in a state of relaxed alertness. So where we're chill and we're engaged and we're aware, but we're not hyper aware. We're not hyper vigilant, right? And that, that ultimately is the goal. Like we don't, you know, when I see if you're, if we're like totally blissed out, which feels yummy, it's delightful, right? But there is an element of dissociation with that. And we just have to be okay. You know, just know that like, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Right. Um, but that it's that we really just want to be in these socially engaged states. And sometimes, you know, there's, there are these, when we're in dorsal states, intentional dorsal states. Um, so those blissed out states where we're full of oxytocin, the bonding hormone. We're like, yeah, this feels good, right? Or where you're nursing a baby and mom can't move. You have to be, you have to immobilize because you're taking care of the baby. And that's a ventral, that's a, that's a dorsal estate. Uh, and it's full of oxytocin and bonding or um, post-coital, you're in that really chill blissed out state and you are in a dorsal state full of oxytocin in fact you can use intimate relationships to track all three stages of the nervous system because you're going through every branch in that process um weird factoid for you not weird interesting um so um so we, we, you know, our, our nervous system is always checking for risk, danger, and safety. It's always doing, that's just its job. That's what it's doing. And trauma can impact the accuracy mm -hmm. and we can get stuck in a loop. So we have to enter in, you know, it's either working with somebody to help with this, or if you are able to sort of interrupt the loop. Um, but one of the things I would say is to seek out what Deb Dana calls glimmers. So we know what triggers are. Everybody knows what triggers are. We put trigger warnings on everything. I want to start putting glimmer warnings on everything, <laughs> right? It's the opposite of triggers. And it helps nurture our nervous systems back towards homeostasis, back to that state or to that state for the, maybe for the first time of relaxed alertness. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, sound is incredibly important. Um, you know, vocal prosody, right? The music of the voice, it's expressive. It goes up and down. It's, um, so if you sing, you're vibrating the vagus nerve, right? If you um, chant, you're vibrating the vagus nerve. I think oming, vibrates the vagus nerve and, and booing booing 
and vooing, which we all know is my favorite thing in the universe. <laughs> I was Maybe like, we I have to do that. Maybe, Maybe we, we should, should do that right now. Let's all right. So, so the voo, <laughs> um, and there's, and, and so the most important, okay. So the voo sends a vibration down the vagus nerve and it interrupts any of the messaging that are going to the brain that are threatening, right? So you, so coming back to what I said in the very beginning, 80 to 90% of the information comes in through the gut, through the vagus nerve that way, it's afferent and it gets sent up to the brain and the brain registers it and it goes back down. Let me back that up. It comes in through the gut and then the neurons go out to all the organs and that sends the messaging up to the brain, right? So it'll, it can take something that's like a, right. And it can make it into like a, and what happens because this is a bi-directional system, it's going back and forth. If that loop of keeps going, it just keeps going. Everything is right. When we do this sound, this voo, it interrupts the and sends a message of all clear. So this is what we do. And we take an, and I'll explain it, like we take in an easy full breath, filling belly and then chest. And you wanna make a sound that is low and deep vibration that you can hopefully feel in your gut. And you don't wanna push the air out, but you wanna allow the, the belly to empty. If there's any singers listening in, I, as a singer, have had to undo some of my learning around holding and sustaining a note. So you want to go against that and just let it empty out. So we're going to do two of them. So we'll do the first one, let the air empty out, let the breath come in on its own and repeat it, and then we'll track. You ready? Mm-hmm. All right. So take an easy, full breath in. Let the breath come in. And then notice what happens next. So in true SE fashion, do you want me to tell you what's going on? Yeah. What'd you know? Okay. <laughs> well, I think I it's like, helpful, right? Because I, like if right. someone's listening and they're like, what am I supposed to pay attention to? So yeah. No, I just want to make sure because I felt like I was in an SE session all of a sudden. And I was like, if I were with someone, if I were with my therapist, I would be telling her what I'm doing. So, so what I noticed. So I figured I would just offer that. <laughs> so um okay. So for me, I um so for me, I I noticed for me like a tingling. 
but like it's different than numbing you know it's like a tingling in my hands and my chest mm -hmm. yeah and so so we might say that that's your life force moving through or um just some energy coming into the mm -hmm. body right right and for most people the vu is really actually quite nice it's quite pleasant um so it can so, be activating for some yeah i was going to ask about that because i was like tingling can go 12 different ways <laughs> like i mean for right. me <laughs> so so if somebody is in a freeze state and and the freeze states are you know flat affect vacant stare flat vocal tone like low like flaccid muscles um you might hear monotone low tone um um there's definitely no prosody heart rate can be very low um and they're in a their system in that dorsal collapse is in the state of i can't so that said we want to help move them out of i can't right they're very numb they're they're shut down um there's an attitude of like, I'm alone and I can't get out of this ever, right? It's pretty hopeless. Right. And so the VU is good there. The VU can also bring some irritation because if you're looking at this, you know, Deb Dana, who wrote a book uh, called Polyvagal Theory for Therapists, and she also has a newer one out that's Polyvagal Exercises in therapy. And she uses this image of a ladder and has the dorsal part of it at the bottom. And she sort of describes it as this, you know, can't, right? And so small movements, small joint movements, um, the VU, right, is helpful there, but it can elicit some activation. And you have to be careful and just validating if, if you notice it in somebody and they're like, oh my God, I'm irritated. It's like, that's okay. And you might do another VU to help mobilize that irritation into the sympathetic mobilization state, right? It's that part of I can, right? There's a, there's a, um, yeah, you're, it's, everything's dangerous, but it's also you're mobilized. We want the system to be mobilized and then you mobilize into the safe ventral state of I'm at ease, right? I didn't, sorry about that. I don't know why I had an meter. <laughs> um, so I, um, I think that's why it's really important um, that, you know, I think we have to stay curious. I think that's like the whole thing as we walk away in, in this episode six actually I thought it was five but it's actually six just so you know just correcting myself um episode six <laughs> is um <laughs> is um is that you know I think you have to I think the cool thing about polyvagal theory and blending it with like you know um the self-care stuff is seeing is that there's the lens of curiosity Mm -hmm. And that's what, you know, what you were saying earlier, sorry, about um, that's what like we don't get when we're in a state of survival, yeah. you know, is, is, and I, that's what I love because like polyvagal theory really um, 
can be used as a gateway of curiosity. And so the reason I say that about the vooing is I feel like, and I'm just going to, because I am speaking from the trauma sensitive yoga teacher in me. And then I know you have an appointment here, so we're going to go. But um, I just want to say that curiosity piece is really important. I feel like when we start getting into trauma informed yoga without the nervous system and this sense engaged, mm-hmm. you know, yoga teachers tend to be like, like, let them, like, we don't want them to experience anything uncomfortable, right? And there's this sense, yeah. I feel like, of a little bit of um, coddling <laughs> of, of that. And I, and yeah. it really, and I really, um, it really, really irritates me. And I'm not trying to get vent, like venti here, but I, the point of me saying this is that I really wish that in yoga, specifically trauma sensitive yoga, we looked through the polyvagal theory because we can empower um, specifically trauma survivors. Yeah, to be able to be curious about their mobilization and the way that they can evacuate change through curiosity. Because I feel like we lose an opportunity in yoga when we don't teach that, right? I agree with you. Yeah, Yeah. sorry to get a little ranty, but like it just hit on my mark. (laughs) I don't don't take it as ranty, right? Because I I mean, I'm a a (laughs) trauma-informed yoga teacher and trainer and, and it's like, you know, we really want to increase our students' awareness of how they feel inside. Right. And one of the, and and we want to and we want to encourage awareness of how our body is moving in space, right? And what's in our environment, right? So it's like yoga helps with the interoception. What's happening inside? What are what are we? How are we experience our emotions? experiencing our emotions in the body, right? And then that proprioception, where's my body in time and space? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? And our exteroceptors, I mean, I always invite people to orient externally in my classes and it's very different from most yoga because of that, but it's important to invite in like, this is where I am and that's where the door is. And I don't, and nobody's behind me. And for some of us, we need to, we need to know that in order to start to feel safe because, um, you know, what, what happens in trauma is we lose our ability to contain our activation. Right. Right. We lose containment and, um, yoga helps us actually come back to that, right? We get to actually feel our, our muscles of our legs. We get to feel, um, the containment of our body as a whole. And as, and as Porges says, he says, the body will reorganize when it feels safe. And I think it's our, our, I think as yoga teachers, it's like, we, we don't have to be therapists, but we do hold a container that allows for some of this mobilization to take place. Absolutely. And I just wanted, you know, and I just, I, it's just my opinion, but also as someone with complex trauma as well, who obviously had gravitate and understands this in my own body. Yeah. But one thing I always like about this is I think it holds um, trauma survivors in an empowering way. Yep. Instead of, I feel like this kind of coddling that I'm see that I hear and see and 
um, and this afraid of like people that have experienced trauma, which is everyone by this point in time, um, in the United States at least, right. um, which is all of us. But like, I feel like it's just like, a, they're like afraid to like teach them to feel things. And I, that's really disempowering and it's almost, and I really don't like that narrative. So that's what I love about polyvagal theory in you and this lens is it teaches the lens of, okay, that's fine. You can make the choice to not do something, but you also, what happens curios with curiosity if you decide to stay with something that yeah. you have never, that to, to familiarize yourself with a sensation you've never felt before or might be new to you, right? right. And I like that about polyvagal theory. That was all. <laughs> yeah, all. I like it. I like that too. I mean, I think that, you know, trauma survivors, and I work with clients who have extraordinarily complex trauma and it takes time to be able to tolerate anything sometimes in some, in some nervous systems. And, um, but we can't assume that everybody is having that experience. So, mm -hmm. yeah, absolutely. And so I think, um, yeah. And I think that's that time to build up and that time for people to make those decisions, you know, mm -hmm. that's really important, you know, and I think that that's like the situation that I think is really important is giving that time to, um, you know, stay with something or not, you know, and um, I like that about, about polyvagal theory. So that it, it, it gives, it gives people that time to that, that, that discernment to make that decision. So yeah. I like that about it. So where can people find you? These you can days? find me on the Instagram at, um, at somatic wellness yoga or at Sarit photo and Sarit is S-A-R-I-T and um or sarit z is in zebra rogers at oh sarit z rogers.com <laughs> mm -hmm. not at anything just dot com you know i'm trying to build a newsletter which i'm the worst at mailing things out so maybe if people want to sign up for it i'll i'll actually get on it. <laughs> yeah preach preach totally I preach know. i hear you um preach sister all right well um Thanks for being on this. You'll hear back from her again. I promise. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Absolutely. As always. Well, thanks a lot. And um, we will to be continued always. To be <laughs> All continued. Right. We have lots to talk about. So thank you Absolutely. for everything you do. 